Hope I and pray I appreciate the opportunity to be up here this morning and your trust and confidence in me to be able to preach the word. But I stand in need of your prayers. Uh, one of the things I want to try to point out today is that uh, we, we can do very little, in fact, nothing without the help of the Lord in our lives. I know that uh, many times in my life, you know, I get asked questions about the Primitive Baptists and who they are and what we believe and why our belief is different from that of other congregations, particularly they get the various Baptist groups mixed up and will confuse us. And so I, I remember one time when I started to work at the firm I was with initially and started to work with them, and it, you know, generally at lunch, we all, several of us would go together and go out and eat together somewhere. And, you know, two things you're not ever supposed to talk about in a mixed setting like that are religion and politics. And, you know, you always get around to talking to those two. And I remember one time driving back from lunch in the car, and I was asked, what's the difference between Don, your church, Primitive Baptist, and the Missionary Baptist, First Baptist? So I go in, you know, that time trying to explain and, you know, and start trying to tell them about the doctrine of election and that. And, you know, I don't get 30 seconds into it when they say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't believe in a God that doesn't give everybody a chance. You know, they, they, everybody ought to have a chance to go to heaven. You know, and so I've had to revise my thoughts over the years about how to start that conversation. I've learned to start with the sovereignty of God. We believe in a God that's all-powerful and, and said, but, you know, you, you get the question about, I don't believe, you know, God doesn't give everybody the chance. Well, the problem is if I'm looking for a chance that I can go to heaven, most likely I'm going to get a chance to go to hell. Uh, I, know, I know how I think and how I act, and especially without the Lord. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is the Lord doesn't leave things to chance. When he does something, he does it correctly and right. And if it's up to us, we would have problems with chance. The Lord uh, is in complete control. He's in complete control about what we know about him, about all spiritual things. He is. We like to think we, you know, we're in control because we're human. That's our human nature. I want to be in control of my life. I want to be in control of everything. You know, I, I, how many times have I had my kids tell me I'm this old, I know what I'm doing. You know, and I've learned now that the age I am, I still don't know what I'm doing. I especially don't know what I'm doing without the help of the Lord. You know, I want to go through a list of things here about how we act because of what the Lord gives us when he gives us his grace. And especially he gives us his inspiration and he reveals things to us. Things we wouldn't know about, wouldn't have the opportunity to act on, but for his revelation in our hearts. What he puts on our hearts and minds. You know, you can talk to Brother Kenny or any other minister who gets up here. I know Brother Joe's introduced a lot. I've been reading about him lately, speaking. And Brother Randall that gets up and talks is that you know, you, you realize once you get up here, you can't speak without the Lord's help. I appreciate Brother Joe's prayer about this morning about having the Lord guide me. Let's start off with uh, an easy one. You know, John chapter 3, there it talks about, that's the place where it talks about being born again. You know, it says, Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Now, we know that the kingdom of God is not heaven. It's the kingdom as we know it today. It's enjoyment of the church, enjoyment of our fellowship with the Lord. 
uh, and he says, you can't see, you can't, you can't see it. Now, you know, you think, I can come in here if, if I'm an unregenerated man, not born again yet. I can come in the back of the church, and I can see everybody singing and enjoying fellowship, and I can physically see that, but I don't see it the way you do, if you're seeing it and being a, a member of the church and being after you've been born again regenerated. We know in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that the natural man, the natural man unregenerated, Cannot see the things, cannot perceive the things of the spirit. Spirit, they are spiritually discerning to him. He doesn't understand. If he came in the back of the room and heard the gospel preached, he cannot understand it. He hear it, but he can't understand it. You know, we know from John seven, uh, eight forty seven, you can't hear the gospel being preached. You can physically hear it. You know, as, as Jesus tells us in Matthew, let him that has ears to hear, let him hear. You got to he- be able to hear. God's got to give you the ability to hear it preached spiritually. You can't see it. You can't understand it. You can't hear it. John 10, 26 says you can't believe it unless you've been given the ability to believe it first by God. You're not, the unregenerated man can't understand it, can't perceive it, can't see it, can't believe it, can't hear it. <coughs> you know, 1 John four nineteen says, you know, we all say we love the Lord. You can't love the Lord until he allows you to love him because he loves you first. He says, you know, we love him because he loved us first. There is nothing spiritually we can do without the help of the Lord. And that's what I want to point out. He's in charge of everything we do spiritually. But for him, we wouldn't have the ability to do anything spiritually. You know, the best example of that is, is the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, you know, was struck down. He was uh, the guy that was, you know, creating havoc in the church. He went around all the churches. Did he see good? I mean, that's what his job was, to hear preaching and then arrest the people that were preaching Christ. Did he see preaching? Yeah. Did he hear good preaching? Yeah, that was his job. He heard a lot of it. Could he perceive it? Could he understand it? No, he couldn't because he was arresting people and throwing them in jail, creating havoc and caused the death of a lot of Christians, men and women and children in church until the Lord struck him down on the road to Damascus and put it in his heart. After that, could he see it? Could he hear it? Could he understand it? Yeah. Read the Bible. Read all books he wrote, you know, from Romans and, and Corinthians and Galatians and, and Timothy and Ephesians, all those 14-some-odd books he wrote. He understands it better than anybody because he's explaining it to us now. We can't do anything spiritually until the God blesses us to do it spiritually. He'll have people tell you that, you know, well, if I just, you know, give me the opportunity to preach to somebody who's unregenerated. Give me the opportunity to preach to them, you know, and I'll convince them. You know, I say that's true, but that's not true. Isaiah tells us that's not true. Isaiah 26 and 10 said, let favor be shown to the wicked. Now, what better favor could you do than preaching them the gospel? That's the best thing spiritually we could do. He said, let favor be shown to to the wicked, yet he will not observe righteousness in the land of righteousness, he will walk unjustly, and he will not behold the majesty of the Lord. doesn't do you any good to preach to an unregenerated person. They don't hear it. They don't see it. Now, you know, <clears throat> now, if I want a chance to go to heaven, I'm going to take my chance. What kind of chance do I have if I can't see it, if I can't hear it, I can't believe it, I can't understand it, I can't love God, I can't perceive any of it? It tells you where I'm going to go except for the Lord intervening in our lives and take care of it. He, re- he reveals himself to us. And that's what I want to talk to you today a little bit is about what the Lord does in our life. And some examples of, of uh, his revelation to us of who he is and what he does. 
and how we should perceive him. I want to begin in Matthew chapter 15. I want to go through and point out some examples of how the Lord is in complete control and reveals stuff to us. Matthew 15, verse 21. I've spoken this before, and I'm not going to talk about it at great length. I just want to point it out. Jesus took his disciples and left and went to the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Now, he took his disciples, his 12 disciples, and he went up northwest of Jerusalem, up on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. He went 100 miles from Jerusalem. He left Judea. Other than when he went to Egypt as a baby, this is the only example of where Jesus took his disciples and left Judea. He, he was always in, in Jerusalem, Judea, the bottom of that, uh, Samaria, Galilee. That's the land of the Holy Land there. This time he took his disciples <coughs> when he went to Tyre and Sidon, and he left and went up into Phoenicia. That's where Tyre and Sidon today is called Lebanon, clearly into Gentile territory. Well, what's the issue there? Why is that so important? If you go back here to Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10 is when he named his 12 apostles. Starts off naming them, and I won't go through the list. But you get to verse 5, and he says, These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them. He wanted to go preach. He commanded them, and he'd say, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. Don't go preach to the Gentiles. Now, later he would change that. But he's, he's, take, he's got some young apostles, very young men here, that he's sending out, and they've been Jewish people, been around Jews their whole life. They don't know how to deal with Gentiles. In fact, they were told to hate Samaritans, that part of the Gentile, and they hate, you know, they were told not to associate, not to intermarry, not to do any of those things, and certainly not to worship with them. And he took them, Jesus here took them exactly into territory where he told them not to go. That's what he's trying to teach them. He didn't, what he's doing is it's like you tell somebody, I don't want you going there unless I go with you. Let me show you what's going on. That's what he's doing. He told them not to go there on their own, and then he goes there and takes them there himself. In verse 22 it says, Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast. Now this, this story is repeated over in Mark chapter 7, a little bit different words, but one thing I wanted to point out, verse 24 of Mark 7, And from thence he arose, and he went to the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and entered into a house, and would have no man know it, <coughs> but he could not be hid. He, went, he was trying to hide. He's trying to get some, some peace and quiet. He took his disciples on what I'd call a retreat today. He was going to work with them. He tried to hide, got a house, and hid. And it said here, and a certain woman, and it said she was a Greek Syrophoenician. Mark tells us that. <coughs> she was not only a Gentile woman, she was a Syrian living in Phoenicia and Greek. She was a, a Gentile three times over. In other words, she was a long way from the Jewish people, and she's 100 miles from Jerusalem. This woman comes to him, the woman of Canaan came out and came close and cried to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. And she's complaining to him about she's got a daughter that's vexed with the devil. And, you know, you read this story, and I've preached on it before, and, and it's about she asked him for help, and he ignores her. And so she goes to his disciples, and they come to him and say, Lord, get this woman off our back. She is, you know, do something to help her and get rid of her because she is crying and keeps praying to us, come help her. You know, so this is a good story. And the reason that I like this story is about prayer and the, the consistency and the persistency of prayer. Brother George used to tell us when you pray, be specific on what you want and be persistent. You pray one time, don't give up. You know, she prays. And they, he ignores her one time. You know, it's one of those times when you pray for something I need, and all I hear is crickets. You know, I don't get any answer. 
and I may go days without getting an answer. Sometimes I'm praying for something I shouldn't have. We ought to always pray, Lord, it's your will. And she goes through there, and she finally says, you know, after three or four times, she says, Lord, just give me the crumbs off your table. You know, and he finally grants her wish and grants her everything she wanted, heals her daughter completely. I want to go back to that verse, too, where she says, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. How did she know who he was? He's in the house hiding from anybody. He's going 100 miles from Jerusalem up into Gentile territory. And she's a Canaanite woman that's three times over a Gentile. She's got Syrian blood in her. She's got been living in Phoenicia, and she's a Greek. How did she know who he was? You know, when I, <coughs> growing up as a kid, uh, I used to love it. You know, t- around town, we had several, once or twice a year, we had a traveling circus. They used to travel around. we come to our town. And before we'd get there, they'd come, and they'd post the stuff all around town. Circus coming on these days. It'd be located here. They'd send an advance team out to warn us and tell us it's coming. And, you know, so we'd all be ready for the circus when it got there. Did Jesus send out an advance team? No, he's trying to hide out. He didn't want anybody to know. You know, I, I worked in Washington, D.C. for a while, congressman. Every time a politician goes somewhere, you know, they send a press release out ahead of time. Congressman's going to be here next week. Sometimes you'll get a postcard. Congressman or a phone call is going to have a press conference or a town hall meeting, you know, come. He said they sit out and let everybody know they're going to be there so they can be there and we know who it is. How did she know who he was? She's a Gentile woman. Maybe the apostles had gone and told her ahead of time. No, he told them, don't go there. Maybe she had a copy of the Bible. The Bible then, all they had was the Old Testament then. Of course, and we know Jesus said, you know, you study the scriptures that he's talking about the Old Testament. They are they which speak of me, and you, you know, in them you have the hope of eternal life. He says, and they speak of me. But so she'd be, had she been reading the Old Testament? The Old Testament then was composed of scrolls and parchments, you know. <coughs> uh, you know it was in, in paper form, and they didn't have many of them. They had to be all transcribed by hand. The only people that had copies of the Old Testament were the Jews. They had them in the temple down at, in, in Jerusalem in a few synagogues. But nobody else had them other than him. She didn't have a Bible. She couldn't afford one. Couldn't, couldn't afford to pay for the handwriting of it out. She didn't have a Bible. She didn't know who it was, and she didn't know he was coming. And she knows not only his name, O Lord, thou son of David. She knows not only who it is, she knows his lineage and his heritage. How did she know that? How could she possibly have known it? She knows it the same way we do. Turn one more chapter over to Matthew 16. This is what I want to hit on here. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? You know, I'm the Son of Man. I'm born of a, of a woman. I'm the Son of Man. Who are people saying? What are they talking about? He'd already given his sermon on the mound. He'd done several miracles. And they answered it and said, Some say you are John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Others say you're Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. They hear you preach, they know that, and that's who they're saying you are. And Jesus says, but who do you say I am? And we know Peter said, well, thou art Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus' answer says, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. You didn't learn of me by any other way other than a direct revelation in your heart by my Father God. That's how we all know him. That's how we all know who it is. I may, I may be living in Africa or something, and I may not know the name I'm supposed to, 
but I, as some God intervenes in my heart, I know there's something higher up there. I know there's something major that I'm going to talk to and pray to that I can go to. God will intervene and put it in my life. He goes on here and says, and this part gets a little bit controversial. He says, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He goes on and says, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Some people say, well, that makes Peter the head of the church. Peter's not the head of the church. Christ confirms that uh, several times in uh, Ephesians, uh, Galatians, uh, Colossians 1.18, Ephesians 1.22. He come, they come out and make it very clear. Christ is the head of the church and the cornerstone of everything we And that's not just a church. That's the church. That's all the elect. Christ is the head of that. He says, I give you the keys of the kingdom. If you go over here another uh, chapter to Matthew 18 and 18, Christ makes that same statement to all the apostles. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. That's not heaven. That's the keys to the ministry to go out and preach it. I'm going to give you the keys of understanding. I'm going to give you the keys. So I'm going to reveal to you the things you need to know to go out and preach the gospel. So he's not talking about Peter. Peter, when he says here, <coughs> well, on this, uh, on this rock I will build my church, what rock is he talking about? To me, it's real clear to me that the rock is revelation. He just said, you know, he said, flesh and blood didn't give that to you, but my, has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Everything we know about the Lord is revealed to us by God in some fashion. And again, until we have those things that I rattled off earlier, until the God's in your heart and has given you the ability to understand it and believe it and and love him and, 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 and know and hear it. You can't do any of those things. You have no ability to believe him or know him. And God put, gives you the ability to understand that, and he puts it in your heart. It all comes from him. It doesn't start here. And that's to go out and learn about God. You know, people tell you, you need to go learn about God. Well, we learn about it by his revelation, by his appearing in our life. Uh, so many places in the Bible that I, I'm not going to go to today, but there's a lot in the Bible about his revelation of us. The Bible's full of how he reveals stuff to us. That's what I want to go over. Go back and read the book of Revelation. You go back and read the book of Revelation, that's where he revealed to John all these things. You got the list of all the prophets where they revealed all the future things that are going to happen in the church. That's what the prophecy is all about, uh, prophesying to the future, and he revealed all of that. All scripture is given by man, given by me sitting down thinking about it, writing it out. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And he goes on, tells what it's for. All of it is given by inspiration of God. Not only all scripture is given by inspiration of God, everything we know, everything we perceive, we perceive anything spiritual, it's delivered to us by God and given to us by God. Give a few examples here real quick about how he works in our, our lives on a daily basis. Luke chapter 24, verse 13, on the, on the road to Emmaus, the day after Jesus has been crucified, he appears to two men on the road to Emmaus, and he appears to them, and uh, verse 15 tells us, but their eyes were holden. This is Christ walking with them, and they don't recognize him. Now, he was probably the most recognizable man in Jerusalem, but he has the ability to hide uh, him, him being, being able to figure out who he did. He did that at the tomb with some people as they came out, came to see as he arose from the tomb. And some people didn't recognize him first until he revealed himself to them. And that's what he's doing with these guys on the road to Emmaus. And he starts talking to them and walking along with them. And he wants to go sit down and eat with them. And they sit and eat with them. 
In verse 31 it says, And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. <coughs> when he got ready for them to see him, he removed the shield from there. They knew him because he revealed himself to them. That's the only way. He revealed himself to them. It says, And they said one to another, Did our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us his scriptures he opens the scriptures you know now everybody should be studying the ministry particularly but everybody should be studying the more you study the more you'll find he'll reveal more to you you know read stuff i've read it my whole life and don't see it and suddenly i'll read it again you know and i see something i've never seen before and it didn't come from me it didn't come from anything i've done everything he done it's him revealing it to us. We'll go back to Matthew 11. This is Jesus talking to his apostles. Matthew 11, uh, verse, beginning of verse 25. At this time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and of earth, because thou hast hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them unto babes. That's, you know, he's hidden them from the wise and prudent. That's people that are wise in their own eyes. People that are wiser like the Sadducees and the Pharisees that were wise and thought they were so righteous. Jesus will hide that from them and reveal it to the babes. How many do we know in our church in the ministry that have had to go to seminary school somewhere to learn about the gospel, to learn how to preach, to learn how to deliver, learn how to do these things? Elsa's got an older brother here that was one time one of the shyest men in the world I've ever known. He had a hard time. I think even asking Dora for a date the first time around. <laughs> he was one of the shyest men. And yet you put him up and stand now. And he's a powerful preacher. He'd never been to a seminary. The Lord has intervened, given him the gift to speak. When he comes from the pulpit, he still didn't talk too much outside the pulpit. But, you know, but boy, he could speak in power and in demonstration of spirit. That comes from the Lord. The Lord picks it. People and how many you know? You, it's like you see ministers. You get up here, you see him, and think well, that man hadn't had any formal education, but he's been trained by the Holy Spirit, and they can get up here and speak. None of that. He says, "You've revealed it. <coughs> You've hidden it from the wise and the prudent, and revealed it unto babes. Why? Even so, fathers, for it seemed good in thy sight." And then Jesus goes on and makes another one. He's going to hammer it in a little more here. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son. Nobody knows me but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. Now look, you talk about an exclusive country club here. No man knows the Son but the Father. And no man knows the Father but the Son. You don't know him. You can't know him. He, they've hidden it. You can't. Thank goodness he added a little phrase on the end of that. <coughs> no man knoweth the Son but the Father. And no man knoweth the Father but the Son, <coughs> and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. We have no ability to know about God without it being revealed to us by God. By either the Father or the Son reveals it to us. We have so many examples in the Bible of revelations, and yet, you know, you go and you hear some man about, you know, I, I've studied and I've learned this, I've, I've gotten faith, I've gotten all these things. Men try to take the glory for themselves. You know, they like to brag about being born again. I'm going, thank the Lord I, I'm born again. If I'm born again, thank the Lord for that. I didn't have anything to do with it. I wouldn't have been smart enough to do it. Because, you know, my, my chances are I'd have taken a chance 
doing the wrong stupid things. The Lord reveals himself to us. Well, we've had that story about the on the road to Emmaus, what they did right after that in Luke. Jesus appears to the apostles after he's been crucified. He appears to the apostles uh, in the upper room and said they were terrified at first, and he calmed them down and said, do you have anything to eat? And he took it and he ate with them and he spoke to them. And then verse 45, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Jesus taught the Bible. He opened their understanding so they could understand. Didn't get it by studying it themselves, or preaching it, or going to a seminary, or learning that. Christ opened their understanding to the scriptures. He himself did that. Uh, let me go over here to the Apostle Paul. So he, he's given it to us. He gives it to everybody. He gives it to the apostles, I mean, to his own apostles. Go to Galatians, and let's see what Paul says about it. Paul says that, he said, uh, I, in, uh, uh, Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, But I certify to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. I didn't get this from any man. What I preached, I didn't learn from men at all. Not at all. He said, For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul, probably, you know, since Christ and the apostles, the greatest preachers ever lived, he said, I didn't learn it. I didn't get it on my own. I got it by revelation of God. He talks a little bit more here, and he says, but when it pleased God, he said, I was doing lots of crazy things, but, and away from God, he said, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. I didn't learn any of this from flesh and blood. I only got it, and it was only revealed to me when it pleased God to do so. You know, everything we have, we depend on God for. You know, sometimes, you know, we like to take credit for ourselves for what we do. We like to take credit, you know, anything we do at our work. or God, We like to take all this credit, and it always ought to be that we should thank God for everything in our lives, every blessing we have, every bit of knowledge of him we have. We have to thank him for blessing us with our ability to know him. Apostle Paul spoke again over here in the book of Ephesians. Yeah, uh, Ephesians starts off, of course, he said, Blessed is uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heaven. All spiritual blessings he's given us. And made it, and he says, and, and, and reveals it all unto me. Let me go over here to where I wanted to go to. One, eight, and nine. Okay. Um, well, I know I've got ten. I had skipped over it. Okay, yes. Where he says, Ephesians 1 and, and 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. He, the mysteries, that all the mysteries that they didn't learn about in the Old Testament, we know now because of him because he has revealed all of this to us go back if you go back to the old testament even even then go back to exodus chapter three i believe it is where moses is out you know and moses is, is, is was born in egypt and y'all know that story and then he came back in uh and uh he he was god revealed himself to moses in the burning bush you remember that story 
he didn't didn't have any evidence that he really knew who God was before that. But then he he chose the burning bush to reveal it to him, and then he revealed so much to Moses about who it was and his plan. God picks the time and the manner and the place he reveals himself to you. Usually that's the time when he's coming to regenerate it, but that's when he reveals it to you. And every bit of knowledge we have about the Lord comes from his revelation. From the prophets, if you go through and you can read every one of the prophets, and you'll see that pointed out so many times in there, every bit of information I have came from God. If you go look at the book of Daniel, I believe it's chapter 2, five times in the short chapter 2, Daniel mentioned, as it was revealed to me from God. All the prophecy he had was revealed to me directly from God. We can't take credit for anything. I appreciated Brother Joe talking about, you know, give all the glory to God. We don't give enough glory to God. You know, our human nature is we want to take credit. If I discover something, oh, I'm glad I discovered it. <coughs> I wouldn't have discovered it without the Lord opening up some eyes. And it's important we understand every blessing we have, every a blessing every spiritual act we have is to thank goodness to the to glory of, of God for that. Because I said a while ago, all scripture, and Timothy, Paul tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God. I want to give you one good example here in a minute. Oh, I know what I want to go. I want to go with Hebrews before I go to, back to the Old Testament. In Hebrews, this is probably the best example. Hebrews chapter 8, and y'all are familiar with this. He gave us a new covenant. And in that new covenant, he made clear what his instructions were regarding how we would know the Lord. We don't know him on our own. I can't go to Brother Elton and teach him to know the Lord. He can't teach me to know the Lord. He said, this is the covenant that I'll make with them. I will put my laws into their mind and write them into their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach, not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord. For they all shall know me. Lord says, I want people to know him, and I'll do it. That's my job. That's not our job to go out and try to save souls and convert people over to the Lord. The Lord's going to do that before we get there. We're to minister to them after they've been saved, after he's already determined they're a child of God. That's who we minister to. You know, over at the end of the book of Mark, we're told to go out and preach to all the creatures in the world. Some people tell us we've got to go out and preach to every, if if we take that literally, that means every grasshopper and dog and horse and pony and cow. And that's not what it's talking about. The creature, a new creature in Christ is after you've been born again, you become a new creation. That's the only people who can hear the preaching is someone who's been already been born again, been saved by the Lord. The big example I wanted to give you here, again, that is overlooked and is misconstrued so many times, is back in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 32. And this is a story you all know about. Exodus chapter 32. Moses is in the presence of Jesus and the presence of the Lord. And he's, he's talking to him about the Lord. And the Lord says, I'm gonna, what I'm going to take you do, I'm going to take you and set you in the cleft of the rock. It's a safe place in the rock. Now, we, you know, we've got all sorts of stories about in the cleft of the rock. We know that cleft in the rock to us is now Christ. Saved us he says, I'm going to cleft a cleft in the rock, and I'm going to pass by you, show you myself. I'm going to pass by. As I go by, I'm going to cover your eyes because no man can see my face. He says, and then after I pass by, my face passes by, then I'll, I'll remove it. He says, thou cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand in the rock, and it shall come to pass, for my glory passes by, that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. Cover your eyes while I pass by. And he says, and then I'll take my hand away, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face 
shall not be seen. And there are people that will tell you you cannot see the face of God and live. And it does say that. You can't see the face of the God and live. <coughs> that is one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most misunderstood scriptures that we've seen. Go over here to the book of Deuteronomy. The very end of when Moses is dying. God and Joshua is looking upon him and, and at the end of Deuteronomy in verse 10 and it said, And there rose not a prophet in, since in Israel like unto Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. Well, now that contradicts what we read over there about him being in the cleft of the rock. Didn't see him face to face. Go back here to the 33rd chapter of Genesis when Jacob, I'm going to come back to this point, but real quick, Jacob was wrestling with the angel in the, in the 32nd chapter. He's wrestling, has to wrestle with the angel and it causes, causes him to have a hollow in his leg. And this is when Jacob got his name changed to Israel. Uh, he said unto Jacob, uh, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. And he goes on down here and it says in verse 30, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, the place where he had this battle. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Jacob says, I saw God face to face. Joshua said, Moses saw God face to face. But God said, no man can see my face and live. Now, what's, what's the contrast here? Let's go back to chapter 33 of Exodus. Let's, go, let's talk about this, chapter 33. Talk about this a little bit. This is one of the greatest revelations, I think, in the Bible and one of the most misunderstood scriptures. Verse 11 starts off a hit back up in, in verse 13 11. It says, and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face. Another contradiction. About four or five times we have a contradiction about do we speak to Moses, Moses speak to his face or not. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh to his friend. He turned again to his camp, but it says, and then Moses gets down here in verses 12 through uh, 17. Moses says this basically. Uh, he said, Lord, you know me. You know me inside and out. You know me upside down. You know all about me. You know my name. You know everything about me completely. But Moses says, Lord, I don't know who you are. You know, I mean, you just revealed yourself to me back there at that bush, and, and, you, and I followed you, and you give me instruction, you've been right, but I really don't know you. He said, you know, you know me, but I don't know you. He's kind of like, that's not fair, Lord. I want to know who you are. Tell me who you are. And he keeps, he keeps asking that question. He said, if I found grace in your sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee. I want to know you. He said, Lord, tell me about you. Get down here to verse 17, and the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing. I'll do this to help you out, Moses. Also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight. I know thee by name. And, he, and Moses responded and said, Lord, show me thy glory. Now, Moses didn't ask to see the face of God. He said, show me your glory. He did, back in verse 11, he's already said he's already seen him face to face. Go back to, you know, verse 11 says, I've seen him face to face. He says, show me your glory. He didn't ask to see his face. He said, show me your glory. Now, what does that mean? If you come to me, you ask me, Don, show me your glory. I'm going to say, you know, all right, I get my resume out. Let me read you my resume. I got a degree from here and there. What is it? And, and number one, I got the best looking grandson now in the world. That's my glory. Let me show you a picture of him. Let me show you a picture of my kid. Let me tell you everything I've done. That's my glory. You ask me to glory in myself. I want to tell you all, all the stuff I've done. As Brother Joe said, we shouldn't be doing that. We ought to be glorying in the Lord. 
you ask me my glory, and I'm going to show you my resume, here's what I've done, brag on me, introduce me this way, tell all the things. That's my glory. That's what he asked. <coughs> so that's what Moses asked, Lord, Lord, tell me what you've done. Tell me who you are. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. The Lord's telling Moses, here's, I, I'm going to show you. I'm going to make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious, uh, to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy to whom I will be mercy. And then he says, and he said, thou cannot see my face, for thou shalt no man see me and live. So he makes that statement. And then he passes by and covers up his face, and he says, and you can see my back parts after I pass by. What does that mean? All right, let me ask you a question. Who wrote the book of Genesis? Who wrote the first five books of the Bible? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Who wrote the book of Genesis? Moses did. How? He wasn't born until Exodus. How did he write all this great detail about you know, Adam and Eve and Cain killing Abel and Seth and you know the, uh, the flood, Noah and the flood and all those great details and about the Tower of Babel and then about the birth of Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob and all the good stories we have in Genesis. Moses wrote that with great detail. How? He wasn't born until a couple hundred years later in the book of Exodus. Here is where the Lord revealed to Moses the history of the world. I'm going to pass by, and I'm not going to show you the face. I'm not going to show you the future, but I'm going to let you see my back parts. I'm going to pass by and let you see my back parts, everything I've done. So Moses was revealed here. This is revelation. This is how scripture was written. He revealed to him all the details of the history and the making of the world there. That's how Moses was able to write all the book of Genesis. And, and up until the time after that, you know, he, he could write it as he went along. But God specifically revealed to him. You read the book of Genesis, you say, this, you, could, you couldn't write that from history. He wrote it because he was inspired of the Lord. He says, now I'm not going to let you look at the future. I'm going to cover your eyes when I come by the front. So you can't see the face of my glory. What I'm going to do in the future, but I'll show you my back parts. And that's where he revealed to him the history of the world. Now, you know, even Jesus has told us, he said, you know, no man knows the end of time when that's coming. Not even me. Now, of course, he's going to heaven now. He's combined back with God. He knows it now. Whatever the end of time is, he said, he said nobody knows that except my Father which is in heaven, not even the angels. No one knows that. You're not going to know the future. You're not going to know when he's coming. <coughs> he, you know, he's one now, but he, that's what he's telling here. I'm not going to tell you the future. If he'd tell me the future, boy, I could go to Las Vegas and make a lot of money, couldn't I? Betting on who's going to win games and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to show you the future of my glory but I'll show you the past. And that's what he showed to Moses right here. Right here is revelation. Everything we do about him is re revealed to us. Everything about him, from everything, our ability to worship him to our knowledge and our study of him. If we continue to study and read his word and rightly divide it, we're going to know more about him, and he will inspire you. The more you'll read the Bible, the more the, Bi the Lord will inspire you to know it and know his truth. We owe him everything we have that we know spiritually came from the Lord. He's given us all knowledge of him by revelation. <coughs> revelation, that's what he says. Peter, you know me because it's been revealed to you by my Father which is in heaven. It's the only way you know him. That's the only way we know him. And upon this rock, 
I will build my church. Everything about his church is revealed to his people. All the prophets, all the preachers, all the ministry, Apostle Paul. And, and Jesus even said, thank goodness, Lord, you have hidden this stuff from the wise and prudent and revealed it unto babes. You talk about the rock. He's not talking about Peter the rock. They, they, you know, we got some games that's played with that. Played with that. Christ is the head of the church, not Peter. He said, on this rock, it's the rock, in my opinion, the rock of revelation, revelation very clearly. Everything, because that's the immediate statement he did. That was the point he was making. You know me because it was revealed to you by, to you by my Father which is in heaven, and upon that rock I'll build my church. Everything in the church is based on his revealing it to us and, and giving it to us and putting it in our hearts, writing his laws in our hearts and in our minds. I appreciate your kind attention and my prayers to the Lord of Richard Vicks. Come ahead, Brother Jimmy.